coming to you live from Beverly Hills, it's the 10 Point Podcast. My name is Bruce, and you don't think I realise what's going on here? Who do you think I am, huh? You don't think I know that if I was some hotshot from out of town, I'd be the first one to get a room and I'd be relaxing right now, but I'm not. I'm some small reporter that's in town to do an exclusive podcast with the 10 Point Podcast that's going to be on every podcast outlet in the world. I was going to call it the 10 Point Podcast, it's sitting on top of the world. But now I think I might just well just call it the 10 Point Podcast can sit on top of the world just as long as they don't sit in the Beverly Farm Hotel because there's no podcasters allowed in there. That was quite a mouthful, Bruce. Yep, thank you very much. <laughs> I only stumbled once. With me this week... In the Beverly Palm Hotel. First, oh, it's Chris. He's doing something dumb again. <laughs> oh, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, a foul-mouthed jerk from out of town. It's Andy. I'll take that one. I think that's pretty much sums you up as well. We are the Ten Point Podcast. You can find us at tenpointpodcast.com. Google the words Ten Point Podcast. All of our various outlets that I mentioned earlier will pop up. Find us on YouTube, the 10 Point Podcast video broadcast over there, where you can see video versions. You can see us in glorious, I don't know, 1080p, probably not that, probably 360. No, 720. 720, maybe that. Uh, you can watch videos over there. Uh, every single podcast app in the world, however you get podcasts, you can find us on those. Twitter, Facebook, search 10 Point Podcast. You can contact us over there as well. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think's good, what you think's bad how you've missed us over the last extra week's gap in between episodes because Andy was on holiday. And yes, that is <laughs> that is not, as Chris thought, one of Andy's photos behind him uh, that he took <laughs> on holiday. That's one of the scenes uh, from the film. Anyway, 10pointpodcast.com. Send us emails over there as well if you want to get in touch for any other reason. We want to hear from you. Thumbs up, likes, and all that sort of stuff. Before mm. we get on with the podcast this week... What was everybody else's highlights of the last fortnight? Because I don't have anything as a highlight, so this is all up to you guys. I know Andy's been away on holiday, so let's start off with Andy and see if he's got anything interesting he wants to bring. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 in America, because it uh, needed uh, to be done. <laughs> it needed to be done. Did it, it needed to be done. Had a certain extra specialness that it was in America. I did. I watched it at Disney Springs, which is like ultimately the, the best place you can watch it. It's a Disney film. It's in Disney. It's yeah. perfect. I even yeah. got a free lunchbox. <laughs> nice. Is it a Guardians of the Galaxy lunchbox? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's only over there, I can't get to it. It's too far. Fair enough. Completely spoiler free. Chris, did you say you'd seen it as well? Yes. Had no, you, I haven't. No. You hadn't I seen just, it. No, I'm, 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 take, I'm taking to a cinema trip next week. I asked what you said that to me off podcast. Anyway, so Andy, completely spoiler free because I will see it and Chris is about to see it. Guardians of the Galaxy, how was it? Number three. Right. So it's not, ex- not at all what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Like, Completely different. Didn't expect anything that kind of happened. So that that's a good that's a good thing. And then my my semi non spoiler is Chris basically resurrected somebody's career again. Right. Chris brought someone out on the podcast that is now someone's been. Oh, I see the ten point podcast like them. I'll put them. Put them in Guardians. James Gunn's not put them in the Guardians. Right. That's pretty much what happens. That's my spoiler free reenactment of what he did. He sent me a message going, "Bloody hell! How did you do it?" I was like, "What?" Send me a message, what are you on about? And I was like, I've killed somebody again. Because <laughs> we've got a habit. I don't know how many people we've killed on the podcast. And I was panicking, searching for this person. And he said, oh, oh you make some it's, fun, it's funny. Once, we like, once you guys have seen it, and then you bring it off, you'll be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's what it's going to be. But I thought, it, I literally was just crying. I was crying, laughing. Cool. I was like, no way. 
How did Chris do this? We've got a habit of launching people's careers, relaunch people's careers, and ending their careers. Sometimes their lives. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely worth watching Guardians. Um, Like I said, it's just not what I expected at all. It's it completes the trilogy nice, and it puts a spin on the trilogy as well. Good. So is it? Uh, is it a return to form for Marvel in your eyes? Because Marvel's been iffy for a long time. Oh, I, still, I would still say it's not back to like Guardians 1 days. Right. Um, I would say, is it better than Guardians 2? I'd say probably on par with 2, but it's definitely not 1. But yeah, Marvel's still a massive slump at the moment. Mm. But I, what I, I do I, like about it is there, like, there is nothing to do with any other Marvel film in this. Right, okay. It is its own film. They don't give a shit about the multiverse. They don't give a shit about anything at the moment. Good. Because obviously they've tried to finish their story, basically. Yeah. Gang, uh, they've moved on from Thor, have they? Because they were in the first half hour of the last Thor movie, so they've they've moved on from. Yes. Him. Yeah, he's not even mentioned. <laughs> right. The only thing I would say that you hundred percent like, I know you guys have watched it, is within about three seconds you must have watched the holiday special. Ah, because, right. Absolutely. Because they they like obviously play no thing of the big twist of that Star Lord and Mantis are brother and sister. Yeah. It's within about three seconds because there was. I can't get racist here, but just imagine your stereotypical big black woman mm-hmm. talking to her big black friend mm-hmm. within about three seconds. She's just like, what? <laughs> her Lord's sister? Wait, does this have, what film have I missed? And she just like, and it was like literally the first five minutes of this film. And I was just like, and she's like, oh no, that was the holiday. What holiday special? I, I, <laughs> you made me watch a film and I've not even seen bits of it. <laughs> of course, like, I, I've never seen a film in a theater in America. So I've seen in Canada, but never in America. Are, are the, the cinema movie theaters are they really noisy? Does everyone just make a noise and react out loud all the time there? Oh, no, like there wasn't. It wasn't like there was that. There was talking, but they were like close to me, so I could hear it. Okay. But there was a lot of like, right. Okay. Random, like I thought it was a British thing clapping, but there was like just things were happening in the film, and it was just clapping. It was just like oh, woo, okay. like little <laughs> little little like whoops and claps. I read so, yeah. them. One of the noisiest cinema showings I've ever been to was the last Spider-Man film with the like the three Spider-Men. Right, yeah. And it was, I remember uh, Endgame. Endgame. Cap caught the yeah, that, that the was the only one I've ever seen cheered. in Britain when that happened, when everybody's like cheering. But yeah, just random bits in this film like didn't even deserve a clap or a whoop. But it just it got it. So yeah, Americans are very much into their films. Because pretty much my, I think what the seed that has been planted in my head is from Scary Movie 1 or 2, whatever one it is, where everyone is just like full on, basically having like a, a rave yeah. at, at, at Stab 2, whatever it is they're watching. Well, no, pretty, pretty much that, that scene, I think it is a Scream, is it Scream 2? Yeah, Thanks, Scream 2. Yeah. But yeah, it's very much that. Um, yeah. But yeah, these two women just trying to discuss on what like right. man is. And, what you missed, yeah. Yeah, it's like, how, how are they brother and sister? When did that happen? <laughs> So, I yeah. that's, that's, personally, I was not fond of the Guardians Christmas special. I feel like that's literally all it achieved was that yeah. one thing. Everything else was very average, and nothing else was really. There's, all a, there's a couple of callbacks to it, but they're very subtle. But that was the one major plot point, which right, literally it's like you would have walked in going, "What the fuck happened here? <laughs> what have I missed?" Uh, okay, enough about Guardians. Better we got onto what Chris has watched in the last week before we, we get too bogged down in it. I was on uh, the same boat as you. I didn't watch anything, so I powered through. Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent last night. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> what, what side of the fence do you fall on? That is some batshit creakery. Like, I loved it. Oh, I, I'm not jolly. I absolutely loved it. The <laughs> the scene with the, when they were on acid is hilarious. That was in stitches through it. But oh, I, I, it's absolutely brilliant. If you haven't uh, seen it, like, oh, everybody's listening, watch it. It's amazing. I, didn't, I don't know if I hated it. It was just... 
It was to- I was so disappointed with it. I thought, right, here we go. This could be really, really quite good. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they're going here. And it's, as the film went on, it just kind of got worse and worse for me. I it think. did get a bit too serious. I, I wanted more comedy about it. But mm, yeah, it did get yeah. a bit too... Yeah, that was... wall scene, even though it was in the trailers, that wall scene started <laughs> catching up every time. <laughs> I've never seen it, and I just watched it. I'm just sitting there thinking... This is the Mandalorian doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Joel from Last of and this is how he's acting. It's like, he needs to be in more funny stuff. He's got a funny bone in him. Oh, he's, he's really good. Yeah. He's, he's got a made career. He can basically do whatever he wants now. So whenever he feels like it, he'll just rock up in some crazy comedy, I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, and I've got nothing to add. So literally, I've just been. Uh, sun came out this week. That's been the big difference. Been... <laughs> sun came out. Outside. Half so... half. Tap, not quite taps off. Shorts on was that. That was the major step of this week. It got to oh, I can put my shorts on now. So I've been outside. Uh, so let us crack on. What well, the reason that we're here this week? It's not just to catch up after Andy's holiday. Point number one on the podcast. What's the point? Is the 1984 action comedy crime thriller Beverly Hills Cop. Everything else is action comedy, but IMDb decided to have crime thriller. Crime yes, thriller not so much. Um, Beverly Hills Cop. Written by Daniel Petrie Jr. and Danilo Bach. Both of them are pretty much famous for writing Beverly Hills Cop and then not being asked back on anything else. There's credit yeah. on characters and then character on the, the subsequent Beverly Hills Cop movies. Uh, but Daniel Petrie did write The Big Easy, Toy Soldiers and Turner and Hooch. Toy Soldiers is not the 1990s one that I'm thinking of, like Small Soldiers is the one I would have thought. Oh, that's what it's called. Toy Soldiers. It's a different one. Uh, and then Turner and Hooch is probably the other big thing with uh, when you come Tom Hanks and a dog. Uh, and then Danilo back, Beverly Hills Cop, and something called April Fool's Day, but nothing much else. So the two of them basically wrote the first Beverly Hills Cop and then, let's like, say, weren't asked back. Basically because this was a massive twist in production, this film. Initially, Sylvester Stallone stars as Axel Foley was where they were going with it. Mikey was going to be his brother who had turned to a life of crime who had then been killed. So he's avenging his brother. And then Jenny was his love interest. But Sylvester Stallone at some way along the line was like, I don't like the comedy aspect. I don't like me playing someone who's a fish out of water in LA. Like, look at me. I I would fit in in LA and I'm cool and all this sort of stuff. So he he backed out. Which led to them getting Eddie Murphy, but Eddie Murphy being cast meant that Eddie Murphy was no longer playing Winston in Ghostbusters, uh, which is when he backed out of that to go to Beverly Hills Cops. So there was a big kind of transfer market of movies around this time, which included the director, because the director, Martin Brest, was recently fired as the director of War Games. That was going to be a second feature film he ever made. He was going to make War Games and got sacked uh, just, I think, in the middle of production of that. So he was in the outs. He was like, no no one wanted him. So the production companies took a gamble on him to, to do Beverly Hills Cop. He then went on to direct Midnight Run, Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black, and then Gigli, Gigli, the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, pretty much ended his career. <laughs> His peak was the late 80s, early 90s, and then by the time he made G, G Glee, uh, he was done for. So our film stars, as I mentioned, Eddie Murphy. Coming into it, he'd been a massive, massive hit on Saturday Night Live and doing stand-up comedy. He was one of the hottest comedians in the world at the time of making this. He'd previously acted in 48 Hours Trading Places, were the two big films he'd been in, but it wasn't like a major, major role in Trading Places necessarily. He was in it, but it wasn't like the lead. It was a, it was a Dan Aykroyd film, wasn't it, really? 48 Hours was a, a kind of a co-thing. Cool then Beverly Hills Cop, 
Afterwards, coming to America, Boomerang, Nutty Professor, Mulan, Shrek, Dreamgirls, and Dolomite is My Name was a, a recent return to kind of success for Eddie Murphy, where he was in something good and got praised for it. This was the first film, Beverly Hills Cop, of Eddie Murphy had eight, maybe nine, I think it was eight in a row that, that started at number one in the American box office when it came out. This was number one, and his next seven films were all the number one movie in America. After another, after another, after another. Yeah, there was a black period for him, kind of like Adam Sandler had. Yeah, yeah. And maybe still has. Yeah, and then like Jim Carrey, we always cover him in the 90s, where he, <laughs> everything he had was the biggest comedy of, not even of the year, of the, the, the season, basically. For I reckon Bowfinger killed his career. Bullfinger, which I have oh, a real... I forgot he was in that. I quite like Bullfinger. I've not watched it in a long time, but I quite like it. I, I remember liking it, and then I rewatched it maybe a year or so ago. Fucking hell, it's awful. <laughs> it might come up in the podcast. Like I say, I've got a soft spot for it, so it might come up at some point. But yeah, it kind of ended with Boomerang in the early 90s. Nutty Professor was kind of like, all right, Eddie Murphy still got it. It's kind of moved a wee bit differently, and Nutty Professor's a wee bit different from what he had been doing. And then Bullfinger was at him done, and it was Mulan and Shrek. <laughs> like, okay, I know what to do, boys. <laughs> at that point. Co-starring as Jenny Summers, Lisa Eilbacher, famous for An Officer and a Gentleman, 10 to Midnight, Beverly Hills Cop, and Leviathan. I don't have much else to add about Lisa Eilbacher. That's really pretty much her peak was, was around this sort of time. As Victor Maitland, Stephen Berkoff, who, he's just one of these actors, names, faces, and otherwise that you just thought, oh, I, I know that guy from things, but it's quite a strange list of famous things he's been in. Chantel hates him, that's a fun fact. Right. <laughs> actually him. Or yes, actually him. Actually him. Fair enough. I can see how he might be that kind of character. Yeah, she had to do photo shoots with him. Apparently he's the right to act. Not, not the best to deal with, I see. Uh, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, Octopussy, all before Beverly Hills Cop. Then the hilariously named Rambo First Blood Part 2, which is a, a, a perennial hilarious movie mm-hmm. name. Then The Tourist and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo were his kind of late career highlights. But he's, he is in not everything. Some actors are in everything. But he's just in random stuff. Like, he'll show up in, like, Coronation Street and then a Hollywood movie. And then some sort of, like, I don't know, Hacksaw Slasher 7. And then be in something else quite serious and quite well-respected. He's just, he just takes work whenever he kind of fancies it in all these different genres to Stephen, Stephen Berkhoff. Nearly always being this malevolent kind of villain uh, in all of them. And the third person, sorry, third, fourth person I picked up on as Detective Billy Rosewood, Judge Reinhold. Famous for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and then the Beverly Hills Cop series and the Santa Claus series, and not much else. <laughs> I can't work out, why is Judge Reinhold so famous, really? I, like, does he have something I'm not aware of that makes no, him... No, it's Beverly Hills Cop. Because he showed up as a judge in Arrested Development, and that was the joke, that he was like the honourable Judge Reinhold being a judge, which apparently he also played that in the Clerks animated series. He played a judge yes, as well. So there's that joke, and I think it gets mentioned in Family Guy and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. basically Fast Times Regiment High, Beverly Hills Cop, is what he's famous for, I think. I'm not sure what else and he it, does. A lot of stuff he does is like meme-worthy, so he keeps popping up in like memes and stuff. Yeah, or it's got a strange career, does yeah. Judge Reinhold. Anyway, there are our major... That's a name. That's, that's a thing. I think so. Memorable name. name. I think so. Uh, on a budget of $13 million, that's one three, $13 million, Beverly Hills Cop in 1984, opened, first weekend in America, $15 million. It became the first R-rated film to hit $15 million as opening weekend. It, was, it broke the record for an opening weekend. Final US gross... 
$235 million. <laughs> Final Worldwide, $316 million. This film made yeah. over $300 million. Over <laughs> no wonder there's three of them and a fourth on the way, I believe. Yeah. The fourth Daryl Hills Cop on the way. And also like a couple of TV movies and I think a series of some, some variety. And a, a video game, an early 90s video game as well. But yes, a lot of money for Beverly Hills Cop. Release date, 5th of December, 84 in America, the 25th of January, 85 in the UK, quite close together. Means that it qualified for the 85 awards season. Uh, our major award ceremonies that we talk about, the 1985 Oscars won nomination for Beverly Hills Cop. What? Best original screenplay it was nominated for. Despite the fact the screenplay was pretty much torn up on a daily basis, and Eddie Murphy <laughs> and the others just improvised what they fancied on any. Another fun fact: uh, the chief was walking in with the script in his hand because it yeah. didn't change that much. I, I saw that when yeah, the chief in the the Beverly Hills department walks in with a rolled up bit of paper. That's the, the <laughs> most recent script he was handed. <laughs> uh, it did not win best visual screenplay. It lost to Places in the Heart, and I, was, I have never heard of that film before. It's a Sally Field drama from the oh, Jesus. So you can imagine kind of what that's about. 1985 Razzies, nothing there. 1985 MTV Movie Awards don't exist. They didn't start till the early 90s. Which brings us on to the Saturn Awards. They did exist in 85. No nominations. Beverly Hills Cop does not really fit any of the categories of the Saturn Awards. One extra bonus award ceremony I slipped in here. The film received one nomination at the 1985 Grammy Awards. It was nominated for Best Album of Original Score, which it won. It was the winner nice. of a Grammy Award, this film. And I'm sure the music will come up later on on the podcast. Synopsis of Beverly Hills Cop, brought to us by Thesaurus Nick. Is back. We've hit a Nick movie here. So Nick <coughs> says as follows. After the murder of his childhood friend, the slick Detroit detective Axel Foley heads to sunny Beverly Hills on a one-man mission to ferret out the killer and bring him to justice. Before long, Axel and his unorthodox methods unearth the lucrative drug operation of the powerful local crime kingpin, Victor Maitland. However, Foley, too... What? It goes semicolon, word, comma, word, comma, word, comma, word there, so I've no idea when the pauses are meant to be. However, Axel will find himself deep in trouble as Lieutenant Andrew Bogomil wants him out of town. Now Axel will have to team up with detectives John Taggart and Billy Rosewood to shed light on the thick conspiracy and finish what he has started. Will Foley's total disregard for proper procedure bear fruit? He did not say the thing. He normally says the thing. Who picked Beverly Hills Cop? It was me. I picked it. The uh, reason I picked it... Before, oh. you, before you carry on, yeah. what you should totally do next time is use AI to write a synopsis for you. and see <laughs> I might try that. Actually, because probably. genuinely, I was struggling with a quiz on this one. And I went on, uh, was it a chat GT thingy? GT, yeah. Yeah, and I literally said, write 10 questions on Beverly Hills Cop, and I shit you not. 10 bang on questions. Uh, is, that, is that what we're doing? Are we doing that quiz? Nope. We? Oh. <laughs> uh, However, what I just did, I've just done a synopsis for this. All right, okay. Which, like, you know, you can see it, but it's like, wrote a whole thing. A wall of text, isn't <laughs> it? <right? laughs> yeah, but like, it's bang on. It's like Beverly Hills Cop is a 1984 American action comedy film directed by Martin Best, starring Eddie Murphy as Detroit police officer Axel Foley. Yeah. The film follows Axel Foley uh, as a cop uh, working in the neighborhood in Detroit when his best friend Mikey is murdered. So it's got the whole thing. Okay. This is AI. 
Next time I'm struggling, next time Nick or Claudio's not there, I might get Yeah, just that. to tell you, just anything. Could you imagine, could you write a 50-word synopsis? I wonder yeah. if it would do like that, because they're going to take over the world eventually, AI, so they could surely do that. Uh, yes, I picked it. Uh, I, I don't know if I actually revealed how I came up with my five films for this season. I picked, I accumulated together a bunch of films I wanted to pick, settled on five of them, and then like, okay, now what theme links these? And then I realised that, yes, cops and or robbers linked together all five of the films that I wanted to do. Plus, this one was my comedy option within amongst my five, because cops and robbers aren't necessarily always police academy films. So, And also, I thought, uh, we've not actually done anything, I don't think, could tell me wrong, outside of police academy, 80s comedy is not too much we go to, because obviously we, we grew up with 90s comedy and then yeah. 2000s comedy. So 80s comedy, we don't normally go that far back. And I thought, Eddie Murphy, never done him before, go for that. And I remember quite liking it. Because I think I've at most seen it twice before. I've not seen this film a lot. What? It's not... Yeah, I genuinely thought I had seen it, but I don't think I have. What? I've seen the third one, the oh, yeah. the theme park, but I don't yeah. remember this one. I'm positive that I haven't seen either of the other two in kind of total. This is, this is a like, classic. Yeah, I know. it's just it's just one film that kind of slipped past oh. me. I guess it was always because it'd be like an 18 rated film, then it came out the year before I was born. Yeah. So therefore, it would take me a long time to catch up to be old enough to actually watch it. Just just interrupt you one more time on AI. Oh. Since you, you said write a 20 syno- uh, word synopsis on Beverly uh-huh. Hills Cop, this okay. is what I came up with. A, De- a Detroit cop goes to Beverly Hills to solve a friend's murder and uncovers a wealthy businessman's criminal activities. There you go. Perfect. AI. AI. It's, 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 in fact, let's just have it write the podcast for us every week. Uh, well, that's what I was thinking. Save me a lot of work, actually. Yeah. Uh, we'd all seen it before. No, Chris hadn't seen it before. No, I've never have. Chris never seen it before. That means I, I will make you go last at the end, then, so I can change that. No, what channel would we normally find Beverly Hills Cop on then? Channel Five, because it's all over Channel Five at the moment. Is it actually on Channel Five? Yeah, it's actually on Channel Five all this week. Like Channel Five, <laughs> Channel Five Star, Channel Five Plus One. Oh, perfect. Uh, great. That's that's the answer then. That's what channel we would watch it on. <laughs> I, I watched it on Sky Cinema. I think it's one of the films that's always lurking around on there. Uh, but unless you guys could tell me otherwise, we'll watch the normal version. However, one alternate Blu-ray version, so let me know if you saw these scenes, includes Axel questioning a Detroit mobster that he's friendly with following the death of Mikey in Detroit. Yeah. And then he prepares for his trip to Beverly Hills rather than just like kind of rocking up into Beverly Hills. He does a bit of packing and a bit of preparation. No. So we all watch the standard version of Beverly Hills, so uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, on to point two on the podcast, which is the high points. What we thought the best bits and things were of the film. Whoever picks usually goes first, and that is me, and I'll just start with the very beginning. A banger of a tune, and he is on. Literally, my first three words are absolute banger of a tune to get you going. <laughs> yeah. I'll, this, I'll... this is this is in the top three starts of movie history. Right, okay. Number one is Mortal Kombat. Yep, un, un, unfaltering, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Number two is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ah, somewhere in the city song, yeah, and then this that is that's my top three. I, I also personally, I like it blaring the hot, hot uh, he is on really yeah. upbeat party songs, <laughs> which is all depressing sights of Detroit. Yeah, it's brilliant, <laughs> Detroit's a shithole, but this song just makes it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's an advert on TV as well, just now. It's everywhere, it's like a Tesco advert or whatever it was. Oh, on. oh, I think it is actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is a Tesco's advert song at the moment. It's, it's a good song that you can apply to many different situations. <laughs> On. I'm just going to jump in with my high point. Like the soundtrack through this entire film is absolutely banging. It's even probably it's, one of the best we've had. Even if it's very 80s, just pop songs, or if it's the actual score, it's yep. great. I don't know about you guys, but if I ever hear Axel F, which is the do 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 song, 
outside of the context of this film, I always think of the Crazy Frog. Yep. Yeah. Like Crazy Frog I, ruined this fucking song. I always do the ding, ding bits in between. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you watch the film, it fits in so perfectly. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this yeah. is this is it. And I don't think of really the Crazy Frog that much. Obviously, my new one's the Family Guy one when uh, Peter does it. Oh, does he? I don't know. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, that one. And then another. <laughs> yeah, it's just memed everywhere. I'd like, like, look over the. My ultimate high point is that song because there's some boring bits in this, but when it's boring, that tune just kicks in. It's like, I'm back. I don't care. There's just some walking. That song's playing. I don't give a shit. That's just me variations right. of it as well. Like yeah. Low key ones. Da, 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 da. And then there's a do, 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 I was hoping that Chris would count how many times that played. I'm hoping that's going to oh, be a thing. No, later. I never. I Fuck's never, sake. But like, I'll tell you the first time, it's literally him getting out of his car and walking to his apartment. It's just a do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. That's like. It's like the most mundane thing ever. Yeah. Well, I ask a question about him when he parks his car at the beginning. <laughs> What does he do? Like, he parks it. What, what does he do after that? He kind of gets out of it and then is like hopping. Oh, I forgot a handbrake. Yeah, he forgot a handbrake. Right. Okay, I could work it. Like, I could actually work out what he was doing at that point. Yeah. Got to put it in park. Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, you're right. That literally when the, the song starts, which I, I don't have the timestamp on that, but yeah. it, it's quite early, quite soon after we've had the heat is on finishing. Uh, I'll carry on with my next high point, which is the next bit basically, the, the truck negotiation scene <laughs> where we don't really know who Eddie Murphy's playing yet. We don't really know the situation, but the, the sight of them doing the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the quite clearly stolen truck of cigarette uh, negotiations while the police car just drives into the background and then reverses back a bit. Yes. And slowly it's coming closer and closer towards them. Uh, it's very good. Uh, I very much like that. I didn't realise uh, he was a cop there. I thought he was just, I know, some hoodlum who then got recruited into the cops like so much like police academy but police academy style i think that is i could be wrong here but my memory says that's kind of the 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 premise of 48 hours which came a couple of years before this where he is this wise cracking kind of i don't know if he's a gangster or a criminal and he ends up getting put with this surly nick nolte police officer to work on a case together and that's the whole point he's he's eddie murphy he's this grumpy guy and have to work together so i don't know if they play off the fact that that film was like that that this film starts and here's eddie murphy back at it again selling cigarettes that he's clearly stolen so that might be what you're supposed to think and then oh actually no he is because the whole bit where at the end of the my my half the same high point that chase the truck chase with (laughs) 100% 100% genuine stunts and real yes. cars and real practical effects. Really in Detroit as well with explosions. The, but he goes around the corner and you see this uh, like a guy just swing around on the chains and I was like, fuck, hell, he's getting barred here. Yeah, I, see I do enjoy that it's very much a 1983-84 filming out in public because it's like the streets are just lined people watching. <laughs> like it's these people who they're standing waiting for something to happen. It's like that's not yeah. naturally what it's like. But yeah, you're filming out about one of the other bits of trivia I don't know if Chris picked up on it is one of the shots of Detroit, the depressing ones at the beginning with the heat is on. There's one guy standing talking to some people and he's kind of going like this, moving his hand around in a circle. Apparently that same guy was watching them do the stunt thing the previous day or something like that. And that's him explaining to these other people. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And the truck comes around the corner and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and they just put it out, put it in, put it into to this, uh, the montage at the beginning. But yes, the, Pretty much from him wisecracking, arguing over the three or five grand, all the way through the chase to the other cops having the gun pointed at him. It's been like, oh, Foley, I knew it was going to be you. Uh, it's a great chunk of the film. 
And that's, I think that's maybe my earliest high points over. Who else has got anything else? Mine's is probably the conversation between a surgeon Akmail Ahmed. <laughs> You're already in Beverly Hills. One more, okay, one more Detroit-based high point is Gilbert R. Hill as Inspector Todd, the, uh, oh, the, the, the chief, that, basically, uh, in Detroit. I enjoyed him. I always loved that kind of character. I was thinking, if I was to build, like, via the podcast... What's what's Bruce's ideal movie that, that he would make? It'd have to have the angry police captain <laughs> would have to be in it because it all it's always a thumbs up for me. But I did some research on Gilbert R. Hill to find out that the, the police chief in Detroit it only ever acted in three films: Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop Two, and Beverly Hills Cop Three. <laughs> the only three films he ever acted in. When they were filming this one, he was literally genuinely. Inspector in charge of the Detroit Homicide Division when oh. making this film. So oh, he's boy. literally playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> he named it because he was like president of the like Detroit District Council or that's a proper politician guy. Ran for mayor or something like out of Detroit and didn't get it. But yeah, just decided in the middle of this, oh yeah, I'll start acting. I'll be in the yeah. Bill Scott movies. Like, nah, it's not for me. I'll go back to being a police and, and politician and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, he's basically playing himself in this film, which I thought was a, a neat little trivia note as well. I, oh, I saw, well, I've got one more, Detroit. I did not expect Mikey to just get shot in the back of the head in a hallway in the fashion that he was. Oh, fuck, I forgot. I've got Mike Cameron Trent. I forgot about him. Just him in general, he just always looks menacing. Popped really, really loud when Jonathan Banks appeared out of nowhere again in another one of our films. And I was like, oh my god, Mike Armitrout's back again. <laughs> he was at Gremlins and then he was in this one as well. I just thought it was going to be like a little punch in the face, send a message. Not like, <laughs> done. Yeah. It did escalate a bit too quickly. Yeah, because yeah, he's even like telling him, you shouldn't have done that or oh, yeah. you're going to be in trouble. And then just, oh yeah, I'm just going to shoot you in the back of the head. But yeah, the... the it's a real stakes getting raised immediately. All right, okay, yeah, there is something to, to fight for in this film. So, yes, now we're in Beverly Hills, Chris. So, uh, yeah, just a little conversation between the Serge and Akmail, as he calls them. Uh, you can just, like, the pair of them, it's just like they're trying to hard just to meet each other great characters. It's so funny. Yeah. They're like, get the fuck out of here! But it's, it's, it's classic for me as well. I very much liked Serge with the other guy who walks up with quite clearly too much chest on show with his uh, shirt open, <laughs> uh, having a pop at him as well, and then uh, Eddie Murphy piling in as well. But yeah, Serge is something else in this film. He makes another appearance with uh, Judge Reinhold. He's just like, he's like a tea with Lyman. Yeah. What? With Lyman? Just Lyman. <laughs> just Lyman. <laughs> he does get yeah. better in the rest of the films as well. He is an awesome, yeah. He's uh, he, uh, he he kind of half made a career for himself uh, from this one mm-hmm. one character in these two scenes in this film, doing such a thing. Uh, my first Beverly Hills high point is him ordering the room service out to the car. Yeah, was a, a funny touch, and then Judge Reinhold being like, Ooh, "Oh yeah, oh this is really great and all that." In the middle, you've got Damon Wyans uh, stealing a scene. <laughs> yeah. That's Banana Man. That's what he's called. <laughs> he totally steals that scene, uh, giving the bananas away. And then the old banana and the tailpipe trick, which I, is that a thing? Did he yeah. invent it? I don't know. <laughs> Did it where it came from. Must where it came from. But yeah, shut three of them up there. <laughs> I remember doing this as a kid. Like in the Worsen Place car park. <laughs> I genuinely remember putting bananas in your bedroom. Bang! Oh, that'll be me. Sure. <laughs> well, 
Uh, Andy, his criminal past. <laughs> I've got a small high point before that. Is I was not expecting Ford to get thrown through the window. But he's oh, yeah. taken that out that was him. a brilliant... Yeah, you just see him getting tied and it's just like, so he was flying through. It's a bit dramatic. But then you find out why. And so they can yeah. be like, oh yeah, he was causing all the bother. Because oh, immediately I was the same. I was like, why? Why? Yeah. The door. The door's there. <laughs> yeah, kick him out. Just yeah. <laughs> chuck him through the window instead. Clearly so they could, like, I don't know, charge him for something. I love my, my ult, like, well, not ultimate high point, the music is, but my other high point is Eddie Murphy just ad-libbing all of his scenes in the kind of police station. Yeah. And oh, he does these oh. random monologues and just tries to explain his way out of it. And you can just see it. They're all cracking up at the same time. The one, they have no idea what he's going to say. My favourite one, I've got Axel repeatedly getting arrested. I enjoy that. Him, the cop, keeps getting arrested. But the one scene where him and the other two come back from the strip club and he's telling the super cop. The super cop. Yeah. And you just see Taggart. It's just like yeah. pinching himself. <laughs> and he's just laughing. You can, like, <laughs> he's basically front and centre on the screen laughing, uh, trying to not... And then he somehow manages, because he has a line at the end, he looks yeah. up and, he has something, and he's actually okay. But yeah, <laughs> sensational stuff. Uh, I've only really got one more high point. A lot of my high points were the Detroit portion. Well, mine's kind of all meld together. It's like um, yeah. how Axel has a plan for everything. He yeah. gets like... Like you say, he keeps getting arrested, but he's getting the police to do his job for him while getting arrested, if you know what I mean. He also, like, he's a tremendously quick thinker as well. Like he will come up with a whole plan, a whole story just on yeah. the spot like that. But you're right, he comes up with ideas. Oh, my best way to go about this is to do that, 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 and that. Like, as well. I had to mention about the tailpipe and the thing. Like the way he loses the cops over and over again, he's just sitting there waiting for a red light. And he goes, and that drives away. He goes, ah, where are you? He didn't keep up with me. Yeah. But then the, the getting into the restaurant and the chlamydia stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got it right <laughs> down here. Uh, Herpes simplex 10. That was it. <laughs> 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 again, that's a great idea. So, oh, yeah, I, I will say something that this man will not want to go tell the scary yeah. criminal guy over there so that he'll let me in. Uh, uh, it was a, like, at the very end, at the hotel, like, was he like Jenga was planned to actually pay the, the bill, or did we see like waiting for somebody to pay it for him? Well, see, th- this is the ultimate bit. Like, I always thought, like, I don't know, it's a Mandela effect that it was a ludicrous bill that he ended up paying, but you never find out how much it actually was. Yeah, exactly. Because he well, said it was cheap. He bought bought two more <laughs> dressing gowns. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because it was. I think I thought adjusted for inflation. Basically, in today's money, he was spending six hundred dollars a night or something like that. For his for that single room rate, of course, but you got a suite. But yeah, I don't know. You tell, I think, at the start, he says, uh, it's $260 a night. He's like, you can yeah. see his brain thinking, yeah, it's fine. I could, I could, I could work this out. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought my thinking was he's shocked how expensive it was, but, but he's got too far at that point. He's like, all oh, right, yeah. But you're right. I feel like he was going to pay it somehow. Yeah. Maybe he's a rich cop. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sneeze. Someone else wants to go for a high point. I'll do that. Well, I'm, my very last one is uh, the Maitland's Compound. Where it all just kicks off, and you've got Taggart and Billy. Like, oh, so you go in that way, try to get up the wall. <laughs> wall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the film turns into Scarface at the end, which is the last half hour. Is, is Scar- there is a guy actually just looks like Scarface shooting his machine gun as well. <laughs> they're great movie goons, every single one of them in their like, 80s suits sunglasses. with like, AVR sunglasses, <laughs> just, just spraying bullets. It's a really good shootout. But yeah, I think Axel actually shows how much of a kind of and a ruthless sort of, I don't know, not killer, but a, a kind of effective he is as a, a police officer in kind of a combat situation. Yeah. He's, 
he loses Berkhoff and, and kills him quite Rosemary, like, like follow the law. Yeah, yeah, Stand yeah. Stand up and tell him, like... I, I, it was them oh, as well. Yeah. you never seen films, like, when the, the bullets run out, they're just sitting there, like, put, <laughs> just taking them out, just putting them in, going, that's why it's a Butch Cassidy, and sometimes can just put the bullets <laughs> back in. Yeah, I do also like that it also doesn't go, but they die in that movie. Like, it's just, or we don't know what happens, but presumably they die in that movie. Like, he just rolls his eyes and they get on with things. They're not as so, they don't hit the nail on the head so much as, oh, yeah, but they die. That's that's why that's funny. They, they just let it lie. That that's what he was thinking of it. And that is my final high point is the, yeah. it, it gets all action for the last kind of 20 minutes or so. I see, I like, I like the commissioner following Axel, Axel Foley's lead when he makes the big lie up to the, the, good point. the chief. Him uh, getting the hint, that the, and then you uh, get like um thing. You just basically going like they're all waiting for him. Is he going? Is he going to be a good cop or is he going to buckle? And he finally buckles. I still think if he told the actual story, they'd been fine. You know, I, I don't know. Well, to be fair, when he was like saying it off, it was like that is always what happened. Yeah, it's yeah. not a million miles off. It's like pretty much what he was. Yeah, it just he kind of twisted everything rather than making anything yeah. up. But yeah. You know, he didn't necessarily have to. <laughs> he just could have said, "Oh well." But Foley said it was that. Like it was the bit at the beginning where he said, "Oh, Miss whatever or Jenny here, she, yeah. she found this Found-less out and then, then told us." It was like, "Oh, we need to have a source. We can't just have Axel coming and finding it." It was the uh, seemed to the way about it. Is that us for high points? Oh wait, one more. Oh okay. The name Axel Foley. Yeah, I, I have nominated that for later on for best Good. name or best character just, name. Just, Axel that's Foley. a name. It's a high point. I don't know if it suits him. I don't know if or I think Axel Foley. I don't know if Eddie Murphy. Is well, one. see, no, I, I, when I think Axel, I always think Streets of Rage. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Like, is no, it's Axe. It's called in Golden Dragon, Golden Age, or whatever. Golden Axe. That's the one. Golden Axe. Yeah. yeah. No, Axel is always the the white dude, white t-shirts, jeans. Or Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. But Axel Foley still thing, kind of thing, I mean, <laughs> a classic name and a good name, but yeah, I'm not, not sure it suits him necessarily. I guess it might have suited Sylvester Stallone a bit better, but even then, it's Eddie Murphy now. On to point three on the podcast. Low points. What I thought the worst bits and things were of the film? I feel like Andy might have saved a couple. So, Andy, why don't we start off with you? I'm not really got that many, to be fair. Oh, I thought, I thought you were low on the high points. Usually means no, because Chris kept stealing them. He was fucking like a vulture. He was there. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any early ones. In fact, I've got well, very, very whatsoever. So crack on. It's kind of a half one. The murder of Mickey, like Axel, just vanished. Like what are you going to do? I never saw that. I watched it the first time. Kind of must have looked at me for a second. And I, I fucking watched it twice. He still missed it. It was gone. It isn't a flash. Like he's like. Don't be drunk, don't be drunk. I'm gonna go open the door, and all of a sudden, a kind of a rammy happens, and he's on the floor. Like, or you don't even see him on the floor; he's just gone. It's uh, our two goons have appeared. So yeah, you're right. It's a. It could have been shot better, maybe. Maybe that's yeah. a director problem there. Uh, any other low points? <laughs> I'm actually struggling. Uh, it's a struggle. Okay, I'll go with my. Literally, I have one low point in this entire film, and that is the stormtrooper level shooting that the bad guy. That's literally my next one. This could be the worst that we've ever had shooters in. Worse than Tank Girl, which I was blasted. But, like, at one point, who was it? I'm going to spoil a thing later up. The guy from Total Recall. Michael Champion. Yeah. He shoots his gun like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Why do you miss everything? They do. 
I, if I had really had the inclination and if I really thought Chris wouldn't have done it, I might have done how many bullets were fired <laughs> that came nowhere near hitting the target. Because when Axel got shot in the arm by uh, Maitland, I was kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> like, it caught me, caught me <laughs> off guard. A bad guy actually shot one of the good guys. Because like, it's almost like they were like, oh, there's two cops trying to invade the mansion down there. I'll just spray a line of bullets across the ground near them and that'll scare them away rather than well, trying to shoot anybody. Their accuracy, their bullets are perfectely spaced apart every time. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> and they're good at shooting yeah, good walls. walls where they've just been. That's a good yeah. bit, yeah. But no, not actually timed right. But yeah, that's I'm out of low points. Just how bad the shooting well, my, was. My, my nitpicking on low points is literally the uh, warehouse. Like, he goes to that warehouse three fucking times. And it, it's like, the problem is it's a big chunk of the film and it's like the weakest bit of the film. It's like, he goes there once then he's trying to, try to work it out and he's like, oh, he's finding a bit of coffee. And it's like, we all know what that is. But then nobody else seems to know what it is. But then he goes back. But yeah. security is not increased. No. <laughs> it's like, like security seems just still seems just to be his worst. And then he gets in a third time perfectly easily. It's like... No one, ever gets, like, no one ever gets suspicious that Jenny keeps bringing yeah. him. The only way he gets in is Jenny's there. It's like no yeah. one ever... The, the, even though he suspects that she's involved, Maitland never tells Jenny with anyone to find out, no. oh yeah, the entire time you're not around, she's with Axel Foley. <laughs> I just I just feel like that section of the film it could be like something different, like so it's a warehouse at one bit or like a dockyard the next bit. They could have changed the scene up yeah. rather than just going back to the warehouse three times. Do the, oh, the art warehouse at first. Which yeah. I've, got, I've got a nitpick. I, I couldn't work out what was really happening with because the, they arrive, take the box, poof, yep. put the box down, take the bonds out of the box. Yeah. Put them into like little bum bag things that they had. Shut the box again. Put them on top of the box, and then put it all back in the van, and then drive <laughs> back to like the. Well, the I'm assuming they're putting the the thing in the back and just keeping the bonds. Yeah, themselves. yeah. at that point I was like, they've just. Why did they come all the way here to take something out to put it in a bag to put it back in the van again? Because they're just gone to the other place, got the box, taken them out, and just left the box there. Like obviously, if it was full of drugs, fair enough, take it away and deal with the yeah, drugs. Yeah, because well, the last time it is in the warehouse, isn't it? It's like yeah, in the proper shipping warehouse, and it's got drugs and everything in it. So, <laughs> so the the bonds one for some reason they go through the whole kind of yeah thing in it home to take it back again. But you're right, yeah, warehouse f- at first. Oh, there's a warehouse, we found coffee. Again, it's preposterous that only two detectives in the entire LA police department know that, oh, yeah, they, they take drugs and coffee and, and yeah. get it across. Then the second time could have been going to the customs bit, the one where they check it and all that. And then the third time, like you say, could have been the dock or somewhere else. But yeah, to go back to the same place. Yeah, get three time. times, just to kind of, just kind of took me out a little bit. But the music, yeah. music brought me right back in it. The, the yeah. stuff is happening version of actually. One small one. Like it was back at like the the Maitland compound with all the shit was happening. Shotguns are fucking useless for films like that. Because uh, I'm gonna call him Mike because I can't remember what he's called in the film. Uh, uh, Mike German trait. Jonathan Banks is what I've got in my right. <laughs> He's got Axel like dead to rights, but he goes like that and he goes, Oh shit, I can hear a gun and runs away. If you just went <laughs> If he cocked it, it went bang, that's it, game over. But you know, it's like, ah, got away from me. I do feel like the villains were out of their depth. They were never prepared efficiently. This is why in big movies, you see the goons are military style trained to do this this sort of stuff, is the reason why. (laughs) Is that us then? Uh, One final one police cars. If there's more than two in a film, they're going to crash into each other. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a movie fact, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why did they all crash into each other? Were in, in the yeah, no, it's like you think they're just like trained police officers. You think you're able to stop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they kept going like ten, ten deep to hit each other. Even Bokeh crashed. Yeah. Actual decent at his job. <laughs> okay, okay. After the very limited low points, better crack on to point number four: the stats. I didn't go heavy on the stats because I thought this was going to be very swearing heavy, so I prepared myself for not having to count too much. But it wasn't too crazy. 44 shits and 60 F-bombs, so over 100 in total. That might be the most shits I've ever had in a film. Usually F-bombs are really high and it's only about 20 shits. But yeah, 104 in total. One explosion. The mansion, nothing ever exploded at the the mansion. The only explosion was during the truck chase at the beginning, where just a car kind of like front and centre, either kind of in the background kind of exploded. Seven deaths there were, all quite meaningful. We'll cut away a couple of goons near the end, but the second death was uh, Michael Champion, so like goon number two behind Jonathan Banks when uh, George Reinhold shot him, who I think has the highest body count in the film. I think George Reinhold kills the most people in this film. Um, Our other quotas, cows and goats, nowhere to be seen, and dead animals, uh, by consequence, nil as well. Paedophiles, none. I think there's not even a suggestion of any paedophiles in this film. We're actually okay. We're clear on that front (laughs) in this film here. Tackleberry trifecta brings me to a certain category here. Only running. Nobody does anything except running in this film that we need to the Tackleberry Tom Cruise trifecta, no motorcycles. However, I raise you this question. Do we think Axel Foley is gay? Because... The film is quite, well. The film's quite unique mm-hmm. in this genre because there is no love interest. Like him and Jenny, yeah. that is not a thing. It is not meant to be that. And Mikey, just before well, he dies, that bit at the start of the uh, the pub is a bit weird. So I don't know. Is the suggestion meant to be that the two of them are former lovers or something like that, or is it just nope? It's just sexless. This film. It's just about what's happening. I, I thought it might be quite interesting. What your reading was of it, if we're supposed to think he is. Never even noticed because I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Uh, I presume Chris is the same. Well, I, I, the, the whole thing yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah, Mikey yeah. at the pub was very like homoerotic. It was so like right in each other's face, and it was just like, yeah. "Oh, I love you," and all that. And I was like, "Maybe it's a big gay." Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not judging them by this. I'm just saying. No. I just, it's. It would be unique, certainly for 1984. Not only is it a, a black How star. Do you watch like the. Again, but like I say, this kind of film is always there's always the damsel in distress that he has yeah. to say, and then they have a big smooch at the end. But no, that's his, him and Jenny's relationship is not that whatsoever. In fact, her not having any love interest is, is rare for this kind of film. Normally, there'd be somebody else. Her and Victor would be this oh, this star-crossed love relationship that Axel has to get in between to save her from it and all that. But no, there's, there's no suggestion. I would definitely tell you in the Sylvester Stone version that would be a thing like that. Yeah. yeah that one i just thought it might be worth asking did they say the thing though in beverly hills cop do they no, say no. beverly hills cop they do yes what? they do say it at the one hour 11 minute mark they re- uh, axel refers to billy rosewood as beverly hills cop so it's not i don't know if that's meant to be is the title meant mm. to be about bill is he meant to be the beverly hills cop but yeah that is actually said once in the film which i was very shocked by as eddie murphy it says it in fact it might be the the sir scene when Billy and him are both there uh, in the in oh, the this art. Is, Billy is a Beverly Hills cop. Right. Yeah, and that's it. It said once in the film, which I thought was quite good. Chris, any stats from you? So I'm going to butcher it again, but Eddie does his <laughs> laugh 36 times. 
like chunks of it or each <laughs> well like sometimes there's ones where he like he gets a joke he kind of does it for a while so I carry that as one but like he goes and then somebody else he goes so I was counting that as separate ones right <laughs> does it 36 times that's, that's a lot I don't know I still want you to carry the music though um, I missed bullets is that you that's me yeah I thought you might because I kept I kept a slight track of it how many times Axel Foley the policeman is arrested in this film I think it's Five. four times. Ah, it, I was say four. I, it could be. I, I, I'll go either way because obviously he gets arrested at the beginning. Basically, you can count that as being arrested at the beginning. And I think he's taken back, having been arrested three times in Beverly Hills as well. Yeah. But may, there may be another one. But yeah, I think he gets arrested. Uh, Andy, do you have a fun fact of Beverly Hills Cop? Yes. Yeah, so the the song "Nasty Girl" was picked by the real life strippers in that scene. Right. Okay. They, they suggested to the director that that would be a good film, a good song for them to do in that scene. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it worked. And then also there were obviously real life strippers. I really liked that Eddie Murphy just danced the entire time. Yeah. Always, like the whole thing, having full conversations, working out the plan of how to stop what's going on. He's just always dancing away <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Okay, on to point five on the podcast. This is a 10 point podcast, not AI generated quiz with your host, well, Andy, who generated the quiz. I said the, the quiz was a pretty banger, but this is even banger worthy. Okay, so we've done something similar before. So obviously Beverly Hills Cop, he's a detective. Mm-hmm. So you guys have got to be the detectives and work out who the bad guy is. Okay. So I'm going to list you three things. Uh-huh. And then you got to tell me who the bad guy is. The bad guy is, right, okay. He's the bad guy. Um and if you want a bonus point, you can tell me the actor as well. So there's a bonus point available for every single one of them. So in every one of these, it's a bad guy from a film, and we have to yep. give you the character name and maybe the actor. Right. Yep. Uh, Chris, you keep track of this. Who's who's going first normally? Uh, I don't know. I'll go first this time. Chris, well, te- technically, I'm just gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say a line, and you can jump ah. in whenever you want. Ah, it's that one. Is that kind of it's one? That okay, one yeah. So I'll say one, and then you get three clues, and you got to basically say the actor's name, the character name, and the film. Is it sudden death for my guests though? Like, is it is this the one where it's say I shoot yes. Darth Vader? Sure? I'm yeah. done until Chris yeah. guesses. That's right. Correct. Right. Okay. But yeah, each each question's worth three points. So, actor, God, right, okay. <laughs> a, actor, film, and uh, character. Right, okay. Jeez. So, yeah, so, there's a, right. lot, a lot of points. High scoring won this one, right? And when we shout in, is that us in until we've had all three? Yeah, no, that's you in. When, if you get in, you've got to reel off right. all three. And say I say Darth Vader, I say James Earl Jones, and I say Star Trek. Does Chris get to say Star Wars? Or oh, no, no, no. Oh, right, okay. I thought you were purposely... Okay. No, no. <laughs> right. Like, if you, if you get, like... Two out of the three, it doesn't get thrown over time. Okay. <laughs> but if you, if you get none of them right, if you get it wrong straight away, it'll get thrown it's over Chris. Right, okay. Right, so here we go. Clue number one. Wants to see Jamie Lee's breasts. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of films, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Clue number two. His mum and dad are going to be so mad with him. Oh. Boyfriend. Oh, eh, eh. Ah! Well, it's Scream. The Scream is Scream, the film. That's one point. Matthew Lillard. Two points. Stu? Yeah, I'll give you it. Stu, Stu Mac or Mac or. You must have got it at the same point as me because I'm going to say. You're both like, ah! But yeah, you got it. So yeah, Bruce gets <laughs> okay. three points out of there. You got oh. the full, full three. Yes. 
It was because you never said Jamie Lee Curtis. I was like, who the fuck's Jamie Lee? He says, in the film, he just says Jamie Lee, doesn't he? He doesn't yeah. say the whole... Right. There's, there's also a theme. They're all villains and things of films we've done, by the way. Right, okay. <laughs> right. Technically. Clue number one. Readjusted his schedule in the light of a setback. Is more comfortable being labelled as insane. Oh. Killed seven people, technically. Oh, seven? Yep. John mm. Yep. Spacey. Yep. Three oh, points. I'm going to get fucking hammered here, by the <laughs> way. This is going to be like 50 nil. <clears throat> um, right. Leads an army of children. <laughs> Shredder. Yep. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It was James Santo. So uh-huh. You had two, two points, two or three. Good one. Oh, fucking hell, leads an army of children straight out of the bat there. Right, clue number one. Runs a mega corporation. Enjoys poetry shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ordered the mutation of the Rippers... And a group of super soldiers. Uh, Malcolm McDowell? Yep. I can't remember his name. And it was Tank Girl. Yep, that's oh. true. <laughs> so you've, you've got Chris's high four. Uh, Chris four, six. What, is, what was his character name? Uh, Kessel. Kessel. Kelsley? Kelsley. Kelsey. Something like that. That's a uh, long way. Fourth episode or something like that. Yeah. Right. Is a a psychologist. Wears a mask. Doesn't fear anything except fear itself. Scarecrow. Oh. Killian Murphy. Yep. And Batman Begins. Yep. Oh, he's, he's taking Chris the lead. Chris in the lead. Chris <laughs> in the lead. Bloody hell. Right. He's a good detective here. Right, here we go. Was sealed away for 6,000 years. Oh, right. Repulsa. Wrong. Ah, oh, fuck. What, what, uh, did you hear what I said? I heard better of what you said. All oh, right, so it was, it was Chris that was wrong, or was it? Chris was wrong straight right. away, so you, okay. you can listen I, to the rest of the clues if you want. I didn't say anything then. <laughs> Is that what you said? No, no. Oh. Right, so Chris, like I heard Chris, and you said something, but I've clearly heard Chris. So, mm. was sealed away for six thousand years. Is an intergalactical tyrant and hates teenagers. Well, I'm glad I, I didn't guess quicker. <laughs> hates teenagers. Oh, I was thinking of the fucking series, not the movie. Ah, okay. Mighty Buff <laughs> Power Rangers, uh, the movie. Yep, that's right. one. Brilliant. I guess the Mummy, by the way, is what I shouted out. Um, Ivan Ooze. Oh, yep. How did I get that? Uh, I can't remember who played Ivan Ooze. Oh. Uh, I, I can't remember. Paul Freeman. Ah, that's right. Yeah. right I, so, I, uh, I shouted at the mummy as I locked away for six years. <laughs> I thought it was not a bad keep, guess. Keep your scores because I've already lost count. I'm 8-7 now. I've so, taken yeah. the lead Okay, back. here we go. We've got a couple more to go. All right. Oh, fucking hell. This is a lot of words. It's an exceptional thief and now embroiled in kidnapping. Enjoys magazines including Forbes and Times. 
arrives in Los Angeles with his gang of 13 thieves to steal a million dollars in bearer bonds. Hans Gruber. Yep. Oh. Die Hard and uh, Alan Rickman. Yep, he got it. I couldn't place all that. I was like, <laughs> It's not. I was like, it's that Den of Thieves. No, it's not the Tony Robber. Yeah, that's right. Thieves. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, it's one of 60 seconds and it wasn't Cars in the last one. I was like, oh, no, it's not Cars. <laughs> right. Another one. Shares his name with a city in Arizona. Demolition Man. Yep. Wesley Snipes. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I can't get it anyway. So you've got two. Like, the first clue. How I know. Well, obviously, Phoenix. Uh, but I can't remember. Oh. Good afternoon. No, I can't remember his first name. Simon, Simon Phoenix. Phoenix. Simon Phoenix. I would never have got Simon. Right, you I never got it off the first one. <laughs> what's the score anyway? 10-10. That's what it is now. 10-10, right. <clears throat> Winner takes all then. Shares a name with a lovely lady. Lives in a store. Demands to be fed. That's your three clues. Lost shop of horror. Damn it! Yeah. Damn it! Damn it! Chris is one. He took the point anyway. Damn it! Oh, I said little after he'd said little. Oh, it was little shop of horrors. Audrey two and Levi stops. I can't remember what it was called. Doesn't matter, you only needed the one point, so. I wouldn't have got Levi Stubbs, but I'd have got Audrey too. Go. Oh, Detective Chris somehow stole it at the end. <laughs> oh, it was a good quiz, that one. Better than AI could have written. Well done, oh, the AI was like literally really hard questions on just like the film. I bet, yeah. Okay, on to point six. Movies within movies. Chris, you can carry on your success with a massive list of crossover yeah. stars from other films we've done. Yeah, I'll try and rattle through as quick as I can. So Tom Everett was a hold-up guy number two. He was in Triple X as Senator Hotchkiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damon Waynes, I don't think we've done him, but he, well, he's a banana man. He appeared in The Last Action Heroes himself. I don't remember the context, but yes, he was in no. Last Action uh, Michael Gregory, who was the hotel manager, he was in Total Recall as a rebel lieutenant. Uh, I've got Gene Borkin, who was a truck driver. He was in Seven as a greed victim. Greed victim? I thought that was a good one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've already mentioned, well, I've already mentioned uh, Michael Champion, who was Casey, was pardon, uh, was his name. Total Recall as Helm. Yeah, he was He was the guy who we complained about the most. Yeah. It's a, it's a terrible <laughs> He looks like stuff. the girl from the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Reiser was Jeffrey. Uh, he was in Aliens as Burke. I thought he was the ultimate bad guy. You could have picked him. Uh, Jonathan Banks, who's Zach, was his name in this. Uh, Gremlins is the deputy. James Russo, who was Mikey Tandino. He was in Django and Change as Dickie Speck. One of the, he was one of the owners of Django at the very beginning, who uh, yeah. Christoph Waltz kind of rescues Django from. Uh, with the Speck brothers. Uh, Judge Reinhold is Billy. He was in Gremlins as Gerald. But yeah, two of the people in this film are both in Gremlins, with yeah. Jonathan Banks and Judge Reinhold. And the last one, I hope, 
Johnny Cox as Lieutenant Bogomol was in Total Recall as Cohagan. He was Cohagan. Mm-hmm. I knew I recognised yeah. him somewhere. I didn't have him as Cohagan. I think you've got... Every, I've got a different order from you, which is kind of screwing me up a bit here, but I think you hit everybody I got as well, Chris. Okay, good. So, yeah. so was that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten? Ten again. Getting yeah. too many. Too many films, I think, here. Have you recast the three of us into roles in the film, Chris? I did. I, I nearly put myself as the... Uh, Hill, is it Hill? Is it start? The detective who shoots at Asapoli because when I get angry, my vocabulary just shrinks down to two words and it's fucking shit. <laughs> so, but I put me and Andy as Billy and Taggart. Yep. And I put Bruce as Bogomil. Oh, I, I, I had myself as Axel. I thought I was a bit more of an agent of chaos. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. When it comes to the podcast. All the way through this film, I was just thinking, yeah, he's Judge Reinhold. Yeah, Chris is Judge Reinhold, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All the way through. You get lumbered with him, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, perfect. Okay, okay, I agree with those, Chris, there. Fine. Could this film have come out in 1995? Well, yes. Beverly Hills Cop 3 was 1994 is when it came out. So technically, yes. However, it had a $50 million budget and only took 120 at the box office. So that's why they stopped making Beverly Hills Cops around that time. The money had run dry. So it could have done, in terms of nothing dates it. But yeah. Probably not. Dead Man Walking, I nailed it here. I couldn't remember. But after they killed Mikey, I thought it's too obvious to say Jonathan Banks. I'm going to say Michael Champion, his kind of weird pal, didn't really do anything. And also, he's the one who hit Axel. And he was the second guy. Literally the next death after Mikey, hour and a half later, was Michael Champion. So I'm, I'm well proud that I nailed that one there. Who's in the wrong movie? I think Serge is in the wrong movie. I think... <laughs> He'd be better served with like two extra scenes in a different movie, which might be Beverly Hills Cop 2, I guess. Um, I don't know if anyone else is necessarily in the wrong movie. I don't know if you've got anybody. No. Jenny, maybe? I don't know. I guess Paul Reiser is kind of in the wrong film. Like, Why has he got one scene, basically, in this? And which movie trope do we want to see die that's in this film? I've got, not a big one, it's not a trope, but are bonds like the money bonds they're only ever in films <laughs> like only ever in real life bank robbers steal bonds millions tens of millions of yeah. Deutschmark worth of bonds but they're, they're not a thing are they, are, they don't have them anymore are they gone did they ever exist I don't even know what even Hans Gruber wanted them yeah, they are <laughs> yeah it's like it's oh they didn't steal money they stole bonds because untraceable <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah just imagine a bank saying what did they get? Oh, they got millions and millions of uh, bonds. Ah, nobody cares what they fucking are. It's fine. It's fine. No money. Just got this guy coming in the next day going, can I cash these bonds in, please? <laughs> 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 uh, what were you guys? Tropes into die, Chris. What were you? I went for the uh, Brits are always the bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are. Yeah. And Andy, what were you? Uh, mine's a hard-ass commissioner cop guy. Ah. Like, just always, it's like... I can't, I can't believe that every single one of them just doesn't believe a word that their troopers are saying. Oh, I love that trope. That's one of my favourite tropes. <laughs> and every film, even if there's no police in it, I want that in every film. Point seven. That one thing. What one thing defines this film? What is the one thing literally is do It's the theme song, actually. Undoubtedly. Unanimously, that's the one thing. Point eight is our nominations for the Ten Point Podcast Awards. Chris leads off our nominations and we argue with him. Uh, I went best actor is Eddie Murphy. Even though he's not really acting, he's just being him. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Murphy. Uh, my best supporter, I put Ronnie Cox. He's been awfully quiet in the podcast. I thought he was a good... Yeah, I go for that. Yeah, good show. Uh, my best team was Axel, Taggart and Billy. I went just Taggart and Billy because they're a team for longer. And... Yeah. 
I enjoy them squabbling like with the red meat stuff and all that. <laughs> that's that's how uh, Judge Final got the part because he was like that was he read that part and they just like improvised it right into the movie. A bit straight into the movie. I, I, my whole whole film's improvised. Improvised, I think. Uh, my biggest bell end was the police chief. I guess so. I, you can see how he's got a point though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my best villain is actually Jonathan Banks because he's only he kills somebody. He, the other guy doesn't do anything. He just and he looks he looks mean as fuck. Yeah, he does I, okay then. I'll, I'll, I'll I mean I, I can't take a bad guy seriously with a massive spot on his head. Like yeah, yeah I quite like Stephen Burkov. Like basically the one scene where Axel just walks into his house, his house, in his office. And he's been all evil bad guy behind the desk. I had him, but yeah, if you both guys both think it's uh, Jonathan Banks, I can't. Like, it does make me want like a robe. Yeah, yeah. Like that scene there. There's nobody in the room. You just press this button, and like fucking six people just press it. It has a few buttons, so it must have been like I need teams one, two, and three. <laughs> um, ba, 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 ba. best twist that Ronnie Cox was actually a good guy. Every yeah. film I've ever seen him in, he's the villain. And Robocop is <laughs> a villain, and this not this. Um, Cole Hagen, Total Recall, and there's something else. He's the bad guy, and I can't believe me remember what it is. That's your, that's your biggest twist. Yeah. yeah. My I've like... generally seen him, and I was like, oh, he's a fucking dirty cop here. He's working with that guy. It's just trying to get rid of him. Deliverance? But... Is he a baddie in Deliverance? Oh, I wasn't that. For life, I can't remember what it is now. What one did I pick? It's Robocop and Total Recall. Maybe that's it. But yeah, the only films I've seen him, he's a bad guy. Is he in... Dexter is he a baddie? Because he's in that. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, uh, I don't have a nomination for best twist, but I thought just ultimately, just like instantly killing Mikey just by shooting the back of the head was quite a good twist. Like you kind of think he's going to be a character in the film, basically. Mm. And it's like, boof, no, he's dead. Uh, avenge me. <laughs> uh, my biggest jump scare was when Maitland shouts, shut up at Jenny. I generally shit myself because I had my headphones in. I was just watching it. And she's, I'm just talking, shut up! <laughs> and I jelly crap myself. <laughs> uh, my best cameo was Damon Wayne's. Yep, that's not a cameo. Sorry, it's not a cameo. He's not, he wasn't. This was his first film he was ever in. Uh, it's not a cameo. Yeah, I'm counting that as a cameo. He's not. In it was it. unexpected. Yeah, yeah. My most unexpected like, was Jonathan I'm, Banks because well, it's like, Jonathan Banks again. Yeah, but that's the category. He's not a cameo. Because he's in, he's in the film literally because they needed to shoot a scene that wasn't able to be filmed so that they could get fruit. It was supposed to be a potato they put in the tailpipe. Well, yeah. But they Just couldn't because... film the scene, so they had to come up with another one. So anyone was like, I know this guy, bring him in, he can give me bananas. <laughs> it's not like, oh, we'll get <laughs> David Wayne. Ryan Reynolds, would you class that as a cameo? Why? In 1984, probably not. No, because well, he'd be like five cameo Because he's in it for like a second. I, I know who he is. Technically... We need to give Chris like a retrospective cameo. So yeah, that's why I'm a cameo now because Chris knows thing. him from other things. The Chris Cameo Award. Or... Yeah, we'll do that, right? You can have a Chris Cameo. It's basically which... that's what most unexpected. That's what the Danny John Jules Award is. Well, that's what I wanted to put Jonathan Banks in there, so I class another one as a cameo because he's in it more than a cameo. <laughs> Jonathan Banks. Oh God's sake. That's why you put him as most unexpected. Right, okay, we get, I, I'm, I happy know, first, I'm happy first to have the Chris Cameo, which is a retrospective cameo. There were two hey, cameo awards. My uh, Michael Peña award was Bogomils' report at the end to the Chief. I had the Super Cops, just because it was cracking Taggart up. Yeah. I had, I had, that's the best one. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I've got a lot of things. Best Cop, Axel. Yep. 
Yep. Like the worst cop efficient as a cop. <laughs> uh, is the cops at the start because the only person they actually caught was a cop. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the, the Detroit kind of street cops, yeah. Or the cops at the end because all they did was crash a car. <laughs> Just into one another. Uh, my best song slash the entire soundtrack was bang about Beverly Hills theme. Thanks for fully. Yeah, the heat is on is hard to beat, but I think Axel Life does yep. beat it as best song. I've got was, the entire... That was, that was number one. Yeah, exactly. I've got entire soundtrack, I've got entire score, even like it won a Grammy, like I say, the actual score of music won a Grammy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to add a low point in. The end credits. Bob why, why, why wasn't the Axel F theme? That's, that's a prime time to put that song on. Well, I would say it would have been, yes, if they hadn't been playing it for like an hour. Of the <laughs> I don't hour care, I want more. <laughs> uh, my most pornographic was a strip club. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a simple guy. Uh, I think that's it. Is that you? All right. Uh, best badass, Axel? Is he a badass? Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I suppose like he... he's not a great badass, but he is the badass in this. I feel like he was leaning that way, and then he proved his badassdom at the end when yeah. he was like eliminating bad guys. Best car chase is the cigarette truck kind of getaway. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing we had. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some of these up from my way back, trust me. Uh, Axel Foley, best character name. Best death is a tough one. I thought maybe Maitland, because the way it gets kind of riddled with bullets and then fa- falls down some stairs. Which I don't know why yep. that shot was included, but it was fun. That it <laughs> falling down some stairs. Best inanimate object, banana and the tailpipe. Yep. Uh, oh. I was trying to wrap my head for a best inanimate object. Yeah, I think it's banana and tailpipe. Can be a banana tailpipe. Uh, best plan is either Alex, Alex, Axel, blagging his way into the hotel with the Michael Jackson stuff, or blagging his way into the Harrow Club with the Herpes Simplex 10. <laughs> That's the one. Or, that or one. Banana Tailpipe. Maybe Banana tail, Tailpipe, but I think <laughs> the other were a bit more... Uh, probably there's more steps to the Banana Tailpipe plan. Yeah. Maybe the Harrow Club with the Tell Ramon <laughs> we met last week. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, best reaction, get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! When he does that to Serge. Uh, best product placement, have you got one, Andy? Uh, Lucky Star Cigarettes. Oh, there we go. I had Mercedes, because they kept saying Mercedes. They kept saying Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. But yeah, Lucky, lucky Strike. Lucky, lucky Strike cigarettes, yeah. Uh, best set, the mansion at the end. Maitland's mansion. Yeah. Is that a set? They do blow up. It's always good for a set when they blow up. Best stunt, I'll go for the, the truck, unless you want to see the shootout. But I think it's... No, truck. I say truck. Or a truck. Somebody was swinging out of that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going over that again. not going over that. Most underused, Paul Reiser. I feel like, I don't, I don't know if he was big yet, but I think I would have wanted more of him. I don't know if he's in the second one or whatever. And then stupidest character, I think Mikey's pretty stupid, because he clearly just stole a whole bunch of bonds yep. from criminals. <laughs> it's like, pretty terrible. I don't have anything in worst whatsoever for nominations here. Not one yeah. single, not some, one single worst. On a point nine, moral of the story, what we thought the lesson we were supposed to learn from Beverly Hills Cop was. Andy, what's your moral story? Uh, don't go to LA, it's shite. <laughs> I don't think that was the moral of the story. Yep. It's full of <laughs> gangs and criminals. I get full of. I mean, the police didn't look especially busy. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it was full of them. Uh, I think the moral of the story is lie your ass off. Because that seems to be the, the end. The kind of wrap-up scene was, oh, look, he started lying too. <laughs> the end. Uh, Chris, what was your moral? I just say, you don't always have to listen to your boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't listen. Would be the <laughs> tenth point is the ten point rating where we rate the film out of ten. Chris hadn't seen it before, so he goes last, uh, and I'll go first because I picked it. I think this film might be flawless, 
but not everything is a high point, I think. We really struggle to find low points. There's not really anything wrong with this film. It's really watchable. Like You can just stick it on and nothing is annoying, nothing's irritating. The music, which they play over and over again, is not annoying or irritating, which is a, a good sign. And it does move. There's a couple of dull bits, but they're still always moving along. Always then they play that music. Yeah, exactly. Every time they play music, it ticks along nicely. So yeah, I can't fault it. However, it's not a full-on 10 out of 10 thumbs up. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 for me because it's so, so good. Andy? 7. 7? 7. 7. Seven. Chris, uh, I absolutely loved it. Like I've never seen it before. Pretty much the same as you. It's like struggle. I'm literally nitpicked just so I had something to say for uh, low points. I got like pretty much to the end of the film. I didn't have anything written down. I was like, oh fuck, I need to add something here. Uh, like you said, it's pretty much flawless. So I can't, I can't give it a ten though. So I'm the same as you. Eight. Eight from you as well. Not bad. That'll be an eight officially. I would say with two eights and a seven. Officially 8 out of 10, Beryl Hills Cop. A nice little treat there. Like, I wasn't really expecting too much from it. But yeah, we got a lot of talking points and we all had a good time watching it, which is the... Uh, and it's not too long. Usually when I pick yeah. good films... This is a nice segue films. for Chris's next bad pick, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, one, one, oh, uh, once more. My theme is cops and or robbers. This one was the cop end, not so many of the robbers. Although I was happy to see that there were some robbers involved in the cop side of it. Yes, Chris... Your theme is unfinished business and sometimes starting business this season, and you're not sure what you're going to pick, so we've been excited. Well, because if it's shit, I can punch him in the face physically next week. <laughs> yeah, the, ne- next week's episode's going to be a little bit different, but we'll, we'll get into that next week. Chris, it's your pick, what we have. I got. have attempted to watch this film more than once, and I've never oh, got through it. Oh, for fuck's sake. But oh, it's a oh, film no. that um, I've been oh, wanting no. to watch. Oh, no. I fall asleep. Uh, you're going to hate it because of who the director is. Oh, oh no! But no, no, interested. <laughs> My next pick is Snatch. Snatch, okay. Cops and Robbers. Because, like I said, I've like I keep talking about it with Sean and Blair. Like they keep quoting the Jack Dags and all that stuff, and like I've seen yeah. um, bits of it. And I've just never finished it. It's very I fall asleep or I'm paralytic. So <laughs> <laughs> you've never seen the whole of Snatch. I've never seen the whole of Snatch. I've had it on DVD since it was available, like way back. I've got it on DVD and it's still wrapped, but I've watched it on <laughs> TV stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Guy Ritchie. I thought we have done Guy Ritchie before, have we? we? Might have done. I thought we did. Layer did cake, he, isn't it? Did he do... Was he no, the prophet? Not Layer did. Cake and uh, Rock and Roller. Did we do, did he do Rock and Roller? Um, anyway, done before. Crawfish. The Crawfish, that's right. There we go. Some London stuff for us next time with Snatch and Brad Pitt playing a, uh, a traveller. A <laughs> Exactly, yes. Uh, so you'll have seven days, I think. We're not changing the timeline. We're back on for, for, for next right. week. That's the same. It's going to be hammered. Yes. <laughs> it's gonna be I'm not going to watch it again. You'll have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you'll have seven days to have a look for Snatch. And we'll see you next time on the 10 Point Podcast.